Everybody okay? Well rested? Blessed? Enjoying Sukkot? I know I am. I know I am. Wow, we are on part two today of our festival study as we go through the scriptures. And my hope really is that the Father would deal with us as human beings and we're looking at our differences and distinction between the tripartite man. Remember, our goal Yahweh's goal with us is that the spirit would govern the soul and then the soul would wear the body. And there's an order and priority to things. But the question we all ask is why, why are some people um, materialistic? Why are other people self-conscious? And then how is it that some people seem to just be walking around in communion with Yahuwah. And there's all kinds of different people in the world. And some people are envious of the ones that are materialistic because they want materialistic things for themselves and they haven't got it. Then there are other people that think of the person that's self-conscious and they realize that they're so glad that they're not. And then there's others that strive for communion. That would be, I hope, us looking for that constant communion with Yahuwah as we go through his word. So realize as we go into today, as we look into our word, that there's three stages of awareness in our life. We can see it worked out with children, really, can't we? Kids squabbling over toys, kids being self-conscious, then hopefully kids being able to connect and have that spiritual experience which maybe you and I aren't connecting quite the way they are because they have the purity and Yahushua said come little children come so there's three stages to our awareness in our life number one of course there's the ruach the spirit which is divine communion and awareness number two there's the soul And in the soul, that is where self-consciousness is housed. If you're feeling self-conscious all the time, then that means you need to challenge yourself to move out of that soulish realm and move into the spirit. Now, you can't judge yourself and compare yourself with others because everybody's different. Some people tend to be more outgoing And you're never going to be quite like that person. Never judge yourself by looking at another. Judge yourself by looking in. Because we aren't to compare ourselves to man. And third, there is of course the body, which is the material world consciousness. Right? Three parts of self-awareness and stages. The spirit, the soul, the body. Where was Yahushua when he had that intimate, divine communion with the Father. Where was he? Huh? All right, geographically, where was he? Huh? 
We've got Mount Hermon. There you go. He was in, we know it from the scripture, he was in Gethsemane. What does Gethsemane mean? Wine press. It means wine press. It actually comes from the Chaldean root, Gath. And Gath in the Chaldean means a vat. It means a vat is used in the trading down of grapes to bring out the juices. So here's your word picture, right? You're tracking with me. The second root is Shemen. So Gath Shemen, as we say, Gethsemane. The first, Gath from the Chaldean root, a wine press or a vat used for treading down the grapes to bring out the juices. And the second part of that word is shemen, shemen, which means any form of liquid and is often used in the Tanakh, the Old Testament. Shemen, the anointing oil, the liquid anointing oil. Of course, this is where we get our English word for semen, of course, coming from this shemen, any form of liquid. But taking all this into account, we can see that a grape is put into a vat and pressed until an unhindered flow of the pure anointing comes forth. There's the word picture for us moving into the spiritual realm. Yahweh wants to bring us forth, put us in a place of pressing, so that the anointing comes forth. I was sitting with some of you at lunch today and we were talking about various things and um, I've never been amongst a group except in this ministry of Torah to the tribes where I've met so many people that have gone through pressing, crushing experiences in their life. But I dare say that is what makes your faith authentic. I know that's what makes my faith authentic. And I was talking this morning and sharing and just saying, you know, when we um, were in the traditional church ending, you kind of ended up getting a culture in that church where it was all the same kind of person that really went there. And there was almost like a church brand. Torah to the tribes, we have every kind of person from every single walk of life, that we have absolute polar opposite. There is, you cannot place us. There is one uniting thing about us all. A hunger and passion to serve the Father and seek Him through His Word. And that, to me, is authenticity. And we were sharing last night, what does Sukkot mean to you? And I shared, I think, at lunchtime, I said, Sukkot means to me, it's a search for authenticity. And I want to be loved. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but I don't mean it. I just am so tired of being misjudged and being used. I'm so tired of being used. And I know that there are people out there that are truly 
if I continue to teach the truth of the message at any cost, regardless of all that goes on, that Yahweh will bring other people that have counted the same cost and we will come together and there will be authenticity and we will actually experience love. That's my hope because I know that I'm not the only person that is truly, truly with all my heart trying to find out what is the truth in the word at any cost, regardless. Count the cost and continue on. Proverbs, Mishlei, chapter 4, verse 23. Where do these issuances, when you and I get crushed, when we get pressed, where do they come from? Where are they supposed to come forth from? All of these trials, all of these things that hurt, all of these hard times, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issuances of life. Whatever happens to you, whatever happens to me, I have a responsibility. You have a responsibility for the sake of your relationship with the Father to keep your heart guarded from the temptation of all that nastiness. Because ultimately whether you're rejected, misjudged. What's most important is not what people think of you, not how wrong people are about you, is that you guard your relationship with Yahuwah. And the only way you can do that is by keeping your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issuances of life. Many of you, have been ostracized, rejected. What was the word that you said when you were kicked out of the Mormon church? And I didn't think the Mormons kicked anybody out. Was it ostracized? Excommunicated, right? But she was. You weren't, sorry, you weren't excommunicated, but you know somebody who was. And she's sitting right next to you. (laughs) It's the Shemen, it's the Shemen, the anointing that has the power to bring change to our life, is it not? It's the anointing, the Shemen, that has the power to bring changes to our life. It's a work. So I'm testing this all on you, okay? So you, you, you will, I know you will correct me if you find that what I'm saying is not in the word and incorrect. And I welcome that because I know that we are all seeking that same, same accountability in the word. That's why I'm not afraid if I'm convicted and convinced in the scripture and I check it two or three other places to say it at any cost because I know there's a bunch of other people out there that are doing the same thing because we are into a relationship with Yahuwah. Forget the religion. Forget it. Yahuwah is asking us as we go forth, will we be that vessel that he will pour his anointing out? So we have to prepare that vessel. 
It's a work of crushing and brokenness, the breaking of the outer for the release of the inner. There's no use for, like I said yesterday, in having those superficial relationships because they'll take up a bunch of your time and many of those relationships are based upon niceties. If you're not breaking through the outer shells to release an inner anointing in each other, then what, what is the purpose, right? Terry just came and met me earlier on today, and he's like, well, you know, Matthew, do you have some time? Um, me and Candice would like to sit down with you. I'm like, sure. He said, I want to make sure my wife's there because she wants to check you out. She's got the spiritual radar. She'll find out if you're authentic or not. He really, where's Candice? She's not here. Oh, okay. Oh, I should have waited. But anyway, this is what we want though, don't we? We all want that. But there's a brokenness that Yahweh wants to come into our lives. And the world says avoid it. Drug it. Drink on it. Suppress it. But no, Yahweh's saying no. Brokenness is for a purpose. Examine it and get to the spiritual root of it. And in the midst of it, Guard your heart. Guard your heart because ultimately if you overcome, then out of it will the issuances flow forth and it will bring you into an anointing. And an anointing. Now at my age, I look back on how I was raised and I look back on the combativeness and I look back on... The, the way that I grew up and the way that I was just rejected and thrown into a boarding school system and all that hurt and how I had to overcome and overcome and overcome. And it trained me to be able to withstand what I have to withstand now. All of those years of absolute abuse and loneliness in a military all-boys boarding school from 12 years old which I just, it was dreadful. Now I see that the father had a plan because I would never, ever have been able to endure and to stand for the sake of Yahuwah using this ministry and you, it's the people, to gather in others in the nations. Because ultimately we're going to find, like our logo is, we're going to see a branch with 12 leaves on it that, where we're all going to be able to pick from those leaves and get the shemen, the anointing and the healing. And that comes through brokenness. And I truly believe that Yahweh is using this ministry and all of us to do that. And it's exciting to me. But it has come through brokenness. Not just me, but you guys as well. That's not weakness. That's strength under control. Strength under control. Yahweh wants to put your soul under pressure. He wants to put your soul under pressure, brother. He wants to put it under pressure. Yahushua said, in that garden, that vat, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. His soul was in, just imagine, his soul was in such agony, it was being crushed because Yahushua didn't resist 
the pressing, did he? You just have to accept it. Yahushua didn't resist the pressing. He didn't resist the crushing of his soul, of his heart. My heart's been broken. Your hearts have been broken. Don't resist it because out of it came the issuances of life. If you follow it through for the divine mission. Or you can go to the doctor, get cut, burned, or drugged, and never come to a spiritual maturity. And that's the way the world says to go. Turn to booze, turn to this, turn to that. But ultimately, we have to turn firstly to the book of Job to deal with the self-pity that comes first, right? Then we start to turn to the Psalms where we can call down the fire of heaven on those that have hurt us. And then finally, finally, we'll get convicted after spending enough time in the Psalms and we'll start to pray for forgiveness and look of Job for me. It starts with, Yahweh, I pray your wrath come down on thine enemies. And eventually I get convicted that that is part of my self-pity. And I get through the process. This is what the Father wants for us. It's all part of our growth. It's the balance that he has for us. And great drops of blood came forth, falling on the very head. His soul was defeated in that vat. His spirit was completed for his spirit. And then, when then, he could secure the victory on the tree. Yahushua may have died, on the tree at Calvary. But before that, he died to himself in Gethsemane. Right? Self-surrender. The result of Gethsemane was the accomplishment of Calvary. The result of Gethsemane was the accomplishment at Calvary. And the result of our soul break will be the accomplishing transition and transfiguration, which is a quantum shift. A quantum shift. Look what it says in Isaiah 53 verse 12. Therefore, excuse me, therefore, Will I divide him a portion with the great? And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. The result of Gethsemane was the numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Don't misunderstand me. But sometimes we are called to bear the sins of many. And our soul cries out for vindication. Our soul cries out to be heard. I didn't do it. This is not righteous. I'm being misjudged. But sometimes Yahweh says, 
that we have to bear the sins of others. Don't misunderstand me. I am not talking about salvation here. I'm just saying, some people's poor actions, you and I are going to have to bear. What are you going to do with that? What are we going to do? We are going to guard our hearts because out of it, we are going to bring forth the next anointing in our lives because you will be rewarded. Yahweh will reward you with an anointing if you work through the process. And it is a process. Nobody escapes the process. Not if you're worthy of the calling. Take the hurts and work through the process. And I am preaching to the choir because we've all gone through this, right? I just maybe self-analyze it a little bit more than most. I should be sleeping. We need to get these old corn husks, you know? Get these old corn husks and we need to let them just fall to the ground and die to ourselves so we can bring forth some spiritual fruit. And that hurts. The soul must be brought down so the spirit can soar. The spirit can soar. Psalm 131, verse 1. Yahweh, my heart is not haughty. Mine eyes are not lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters. In things too high for me. I don't. I step away from it. I'm not going to get involved. It's a matter that is too high for me. I'm okay with that. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself. Did you behave? Or did you respond to that Facebook thread? Did you put out another YouTube video about the guy that put out a YouTube video? Oh, don't think that I'm not tempted to do those things. I have people calling me up. Usually Greg in the back. Matthew, don't respond. You are such a peacemaker, Greg. Sometimes there's a time for war, Matthew. Matthew, don't respond. So, yeah, it's not my go-to default, this stuff. I have had to take counsel (laughs) and listen and not do anything. What does the Bible say? Eventually, I want to have the testimony. Surely, I have behaved myself. I have quieted myself. As a child that is weaned of its mother, my soul has now been weaned as a child. But yes, I was tempted to behave like a child in the midst of it, but I didn't. So thank you for admonishing me, many of you, to not respond. We're never never going to come to understand these things and understand the knowledge and be taught doctrine or understand the deep ways of Yahuwah until our souls get weaned, right? We've got to wean the soul. There's ten things the soul needs to be. Number one, 
First of all, the soul needs to be saved. It needs to be delivered. Can we admit to that? That's number one in priority, Hebrews 10.39. Number two, the soul needs to be preserved blameless, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Number three, that soul of mine, 3 John, needs to be advanced. Not stationary. My soul does need to be advanced. So does yours. Advanced. Number four, Romans 12, 2. That soul of mine's got to be transformed. Number five, when bad things happen to good people, my soul has to be anchored. And that's where I need the peacemakers and the counselors. Hebrews 6, 9. Because my soul naturally is quite boisterous and it's like one of those destructive things that swings on one of the things they knock down buildings with. That's what my soul is, ready to fight. I, I mean, it was, I was just raised that way. You throw a 12-year-old boy in a British boarding school and it is either you are going down or you are going to go down fighting. And I made a decision after the first night there that if anyone came over to my bed... I was going to fight for my life. And I did. And from that moment on, no one ever came near my bed again. But I had heard what happens at night time and I was going to go down fighting. Fighting. So it's some hard stuff to unlearn. And, you know, there's some good that came out of it, but also some very bad habits that came out of it. I need to get talked down oftentimes. Just chill. Number six, my soul and your soul, Psalm 131 needs to be weaned. Number seven, Hebrews 12, it needs to be weakened. I didn't like that one. Unto fainting. Weakened unto fainting. Number eight, the soul, Luke 21 verse 19 does actually need to be controlled. I was out of control for 24 years of my life. Out of control. Out of control. So, the next 24 years of my life, <laughs> that has been a lesson that I have had to learn harder than most. Number six, number nine, Number 12, number 18. Well, I don't know where the heck we are. Oh, what? I'm flat earth. <laughs> what was the next question? Flat earth. A, a globe. Number nine. <laughs> number nine. His soul needs to be purified. The only one in here, and that is 1 Peter 1.22. And number 10, everyone needs a good bishop. Our soul needs to be shepherded and bishoped in the uh, King Jimmy. 1 Peter 2 verse 25. Yahuwah does have a work for our soul. So only when this happens will the soul truly magnify Yahuwah, Luke chapter 1, verse 46. 
My soul doth magnify Yahweh. Only when we go through the 10-step program of the Bible concerning the soul, will our soul be able to magnify Yahweh. So screw the 12-step program. Excuse my French. We'll go with the 10-step Bible program to magnifying the soul. We'll magnify Yahuwah with our soul by accomplishing these 10 steps. I must, I don't know, I must have had like this number thing going on when I was uh, thinking about this the other day. Because now I've got 11 points that I'm going into after my 10-step program. I really am. I don't know what, why it must have been like one of those days, right? There must have, my house must have been in a disarray that I figured I needed some organization. This is the only place I can get it sometimes, right, Tamara? Not you. No, I'm not, no, I'm not like saying that our house is a mess. <clears throat> She's very organized. It's my sons that are disorganized, and they don't get that from me. There's 11 points and two miracles that I hope and pray will lead us into this vortex of healing that I feel like I'm touching on in my life. I really do. I had a really crazy experience this year. I won't get into it too much. When I went back to England and um, I met my sister, really wrecked me big time in a way that I didn't even know was there. I mean, deep, big time, just... But it's really been a huge part, and it was layered on top of a whole bunch of stuff that would come along before that. And it was like the pinnacle of all of the deep, dark wounds of your life, you know? And it just came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. Truly, truly forced me to really push through, really push through, which has brought me to this message at Sukkot. So this is birthed out of a lot of tears and a lot of prayer and a lot of desperation. So I hope that you can see that when I'm sharing. Maybe it's not a normal study where we're breaking down the Hebrew, but I think for Sukkot this year, I just wanted to be able to connect with people in authenticity and in the hopes and prayer that I would find truly that people would just see me for who I am, not use me, but see also what I know my hope is, I know others that have supported this ministry's hope is, that we would be part of something bigger than ourselves and be part of that healing of the nations. And I see it happening, but it could never happen unless the one up here who's speaking and charged with this position had walked it. So I think it's going to be a good thing because there's something that has been a common thread over all of these years at Torah to the Tribes is there's a lot of us that have been touched by Yahweh through brokenness, but nobody, no teachers are addressing it. They're just filling our heads with more knowledge, more Hebrew words, but there's a lot of people, including myself, that have gone through brokenness. And we're not going to shy away from it. We're going to say, you know what? We're going to confront this because this is actually what the Bible says is a strength. 
And the world has rejected you and judged you and misjudged you based upon the fact that Yahweh has allowed brokenness in your life because he trusts that you'll go to the word to find healing. And that's what makes you a bunch of weirdos. Right? Because the world is like, well, why would you do that? You can just go get some drugs, right? Or go do some drugs or whatever. But we don't do that. We don't. It's called Kedushah. It's called holiness. 11 points and two miracles. Number one, Yahushua died, meaning there was a total separation from Yahuwah. He who had no sin became sin for us. His separation thus requires what? Your separation. You just said to me, young lady, right? You're getting nervous. She's That, well, you know, aren't we supposed to walk as Yahushua walked? Well, we are. And the Bible lays that out very clearly for us. So if Yahushua had to go through a separation, it was required of him, then surely if we're walking in his footsteps, then a separation is required for us. Not from the Father, heaven forbid, but a separation from our flesh. A separation from our flesh. Number two. It's time for a candy. Dig deep. Where did it go? It's a really nice one. Oh, here it is. Number two. Yeshua's spirit is the new wine that requires, we know it from, what's funny? It's the new wine that requires new vessels. New vessels of, we're going to get incorruptible flesh. I wouldn't mind a bit of incorruptible flesh in my tonsils right now, but it hasn't happened yet. We've become a completely new man in Yahushua. Ruach, spirit, nefesh, soul, flesh, carnality. By the way, the only way that happens is making a division between flesh, soul, and spirit. Number three. I love this. We can turn there in a minute. John, Yochanan chapter 2, of course, the miracle of the wedding at Cana. We find that what does Yahushua do? He changes water into wine. And that wine was supposed to, for us, awaken us to the reality of spiritual quantum physics. I speak a lot about that. Our spirit being restored back to the image of Yahuwah. The thing we have to look at when we look at that text in John 2 is Yahushua has the power to reconstitute our soul and flesh. That's what the parable is about. It's about Yahushua's authority and that he can transcend time, which is quantum physics. That parable is to teach us about Yahushua's authority and the power that he can transcend time. Because I can turn water into wine. You can turn water into wine. Okay? That's not a miracle. The miracle is that he 
had the authority to do what he did and it, he was able to transcend time. Well, what do you mean we can turn water into wine? It's just a process that takes a lot of time, right? You have a grape on a vine and you water it and it turns into wine. But the miracle is that he transcended the time that it took and had the authority to take those six water pots that had to be filled to the brim completely. Then they would be emptied completely before they were filled. He, the high priest, was the only one that has authority to overrule that Torah because those wine jar, those water jars were not emptied. And he said, fill them up. And they did it. Meaning they recognized his kingship and high priesthood. Because only the high priest had the command and authority to fill those water jars up. Because the waters came from the ashes of the red heifer. They, of course, were the waters of purification. Because think about it. There were, there were women going through their monthly cycle. There were people that were dying and you'd touch a dead person. And maybe you lived 80 miles away from Jerusalem. Well, what are you going to do? You're in a tame state, an unclean state. What? You're expected to travel all the way up to Jerusalem to get waters of purification. And then what happens if you're 79 miles on the way home and you come across a dead person, or you, you step on a dead raccoon or something. What are you going to do then? You've got to turn around and go back? No. What would happen is the high priest would fill up these water jars from the ashes of the red hair for the waters of purification, and they would be distributed throughout the whole of Judea. In all of the towns and villages, they each had their waters of purification that therefore the community could go to. But one has ultimately the authority to administer that water, and it's the high priest. So John chapter 2 is setting us up for Yahusha as the Kohen Haggadol, even before we know it. Which is what this ministry is all about. <clears throat> this ministry is all about Yahusha is the authority, and the Kohen Haggadol and that his word is his living flesh. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. His word, the living word amongst us. So we take the Bible literally, we study it, and ultimately we do not follow men, we follow our high priest, because we are priests after the order of Malkitzedek. It's a simple faith, but it's a powerful recognition of authority. Because it's the authority that will enable Yahusha to work in your life and transform time, which will bring about a transfiguration. That was a long number three, wasn't it? Number four. Number four, where we are. Yahusha in the flesh is the manifestation of the glory of Yahuwah, typified by the changing of our water to wine for the purification of his people got through that one quick because I spent too long on number three. Number five, our water or our whole constitution, even we're made up, majority of us made up of water, of course, 
um, must be changed into that new wine of Yahusha. Mikford. We've got to be Mikford into Yahusha in his blood and flesh, in incorruptible flesh that can handle this change that he wants to make in our lives. A spirit ruling the soul and the soul ruling the flesh. And when this happens, we're going to have a change becoming incorruptible flesh. Number six, Yahusha in Ruach and flesh, breaking down our flesh, does in fact make us one with Yahuwah. Breaking down that flesh makes us one with Yahuwah. The other way is the world wants to break down your flesh through vaccinations, through all of the pharmacia, and make you one with the occult. Because it is nothing more than alchemy and magic. That's what it is. So, what are you going to do? You have to make a choice, and you've got to make it from your children from before they even come out of the womb. It's a tough decision to make. It's a tough decision to make, but ultimately your decision should be based upon faith, not fear. What's it going to be? All of those vaccinations are based upon fear. Stepping into the trust of Yahushua bases upon faith. Because Yahushua is the water pots of water turned to new wine, put in new bottles for the purification of you and I. He is the red heifer that makes the waters of separation on the third day that we may be clean on the seventh day, the Shabbat. And number seven, we are healed by the waters from the Shamaim, the heaven that are supposed to permeate our Ruach, our spirit, allowing a transformation of our souls and flesh so we can be healed and gathered. When? On the seventh month, the Feast of Tabernacles, the ingathering of the nations for the healing leaves of the tree. It's amazing stuff. Number eight. Yahushua is the new wine that requires new bottles. He's the new Ruach, spirit, which is the new wine that indeed requires a new body, incorruptible body of incorruptible flesh to contain that new Ruach. Remember, there were six wine pots that, of course, the wine pots of the Jews, those water pots, excuse me, of the Jews that were turned into the new wine. And we know that with those six water pots, what happens if we go back to the waters of Genesis? What happened in Bereshit on the sixth day? It was, of course, the creation of man. You've got the creation of man because these water pots are actually symbolic of the new spirit and of the new soul and of the new body. It's transformation time. Ultimately, we're to be born again. Brit milah halev, a circumcision of heart in the Hebrew, brit milah halev, that then grafts us into Yahushua and into his incorruptible flesh. The new wine that was better than anyone had ever tasted ever before. Nobody could tell where the wine came from, right? Just as us today, 
those that aren't in the word, they can't tell where Yahushua's flesh came from. They're still all confused about that. They can't answer it. And the governor of the feast, in John chapter 2, he's astounded that he would have to wait until midway through the celebration to reveal the new wine. Many of us had this revelation midway through our spiritual walk. And we go, why, Father? Why did it take so long? Why did I have to go through all of that? Why couldn't you have revealed this to me so much earlier? Well, there needed to be a brokenness. And sometimes we had to go through those roots before we could get to this truth midway through the feast, if you will. Well, many of us have been midway through our spiritual walk and now we get the message. Now we get the clarity of purpose. It's not too late for Yahweh to reveal in your and mine life the quantum physics change that he is going to do. He's going to do it. We have to be ready for it. Prepared for it. Able to house it. What if your water pot is cracked? What if you haven't done the work? You're not going to be able to house it. We have to be able to house it. Or better, steward it. Right? New spirit. New flesh. New soul. And the image of Yahweh in man is thus restored. That's what the world's looking for. But they're looking to politics. They're looking to economics. They're looking to all the wrong ways. But everyone, we need Yahushua and we need to be grafted into our spirit, into grafted into his spirit, which means we've got to overcome our soul and our flesh. 11.19 And I will give them one heart and I will put a new ruach in them. And I will take away the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 18.31 Cast away from you all transgressions whereby ye have transgressed and make you a new heart, O house of Israel. Ezekiel 36.26 A new heart will I also give you and a new ruach will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. We know, number nine, that Yahushua is a life-giving ruach. Where does it say that? It tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first Adam was made a living nefesh, a living soul. The last Adam was made a life-giving ruach. How bet that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. Process in your and mine's transformation. Number 10, we know that life, in Mark chapter 5, verse 35, we read the account where Yahushua went in to see the dead girl. It's in Mark chapter 5. And once Yahushua went in and he touched him to me, 
he became ceremonially unclean. That doesn't mean, that doesn't equate that he was a sinner. When I say that, people will say, oh, Yahushua never sinned. Well, yeah, he never sinned. But that doesn't mean that he never went into a different status. If he touched a dead body, he was and became Tomei. He would have sinned if he refused to obey the Father's commands and go through the process of clarification. And we know that that's not true, that he went through those processes because he was educated that way. Miriam did the same thing, his mother. He was raised that way. But in Mark 5, when Yahushua went in and he raised the dead girl, he then would have become Tamei. And in order to be made Tahor clean, he would have had to go through the ritual of purification using the very ash of the red heifer. He would have had to bathe himself and wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. That was required. And where did all this take place? It took place down in the Galilee where the vessels were distributed throughout the countryside. He didn't have to go up to Jerusalem. He could have just gone to the nearest village where those vessels were distributed which had the waters of purification in them. Which brings us to John chapter 2, the miracle at Cana. The word says, fill the stone jars. Fill the stone jars. Why? Well, once you've mixed the water with the ash of the red heifer and you take the water out of the jar, you cannot, according to the law of the Jews, take the water back to it. You cannot add water back to it. Not according to the custom. You must use it all up and use a new batch. You just can't pour water in it willy-nilly. It has to be measured out. And Yahushua tells them, go fill it. Go fill it to the brim. And what do they do? They obey the high priest. They obey the king. Because we have to understand in the time of Herod, there was two ruling class of family. And Yahushua's whole family was a kingdom family. They were recognized and that was why there was a rebellion within the Herodian system because they were threatened by and high priest of. This is the miracle. Eleven. The first miracle was this. Yahushua's authority. He was proclaiming himself as the Kohen Haggadah, right there, the high priest. I have the authority to take charge over the water that makes clean, that is the most holy. I and I alone can command you to fill those jars. That was the miracle that we missed. That was the miracle. And the second miracle was that he, like I said, transcended time. He didn't have to wait for the whole process of adding water to the grapevine for it to turn into wine. He transcended time. And there, Yahushua performed the second miracle. And we know that wine in the scripture, it epitomizes simcha, joy, which is why we partake of the, partake of the Sabbath. 
He came to bring that sweetness. He came to bring that joy and that transformation into all of us. And it starts just by resting and coming into the Sabbath. It starts by resting and coming to the feasts, a time of Kedushah, separation, where we can come into community, take that brokenness and get it healed together. Salvation, finishing up here. Salvation for my soul and your soul comes progressively. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yes, the moment that I accepted Yahusha, I had a status change. But then that's when the work begins. I now have to work through the yearnings of my soul and there is going to be a progressive transformation or salvation of my soul even though I've had a status change. And secondly, salvation to these bodies that we have, that comes in the future. They're degenerating now, but salvation comes to them in the future at the resurrection. That's why you and I have to use faith to keep the law of sin and death from bringing sickness into our bodies. That's what we do. But all of that to say this, Yahweh wants to use our brokenness to bring about the Shemen, the anointing in our lives. And I really see how that can work. But it only works when we take guard of our heart and we steward our heart so that the Father can then transform us to the next level of anointing. Amen? Lots to ponder and think about. Big picture stuff. So praise Yahuwah. And with that, I, I kind of enjoyed having somebody up here yesterday and having a little chin wag for a bit. So, hello. Hello. Can I get some sound on this one? Hello. Hello. Oh, that was good. I like this microphone because I don't have to try. All right, who shall I pick on? Oh, you, without the shoes. Yeah, come on up here. Coming up, bring your Bible. Yeah, 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 that's fine. 